How complicated are trailer axles? They're not. They're really simple. And that's what we're going to be discussing today and staying on the road. And in the enjoying the RV life segment today, it's all about buying souvenirs. Is it worth the money? I'm going to tell you right now, I think so. I love souvenirs. So now, once again, though, we're going to go on a road trip, and Alexis is going to take us to Route 66. And it's dubbed America's Greatest Road Trip. That's how people view Route 66. And we're going to visit that in the next stop. And then we're going to wrap up the show with RV Envy. And at RV Envy, we're going to talk about Blizzard Box Coolers. You've probably never heard of a Blizzard Box. Well, they are pretty cool. (laughs) Get it? Coolers? Cool? All right. Enough of that. So this is Eric Stark with the Smart RVer Podcast, delivering the smarts you need to enjoy the freedom of the RV lifestyle without the fear of breaking down. So this is episode 140, and let's just jump right into it. So welcome to the show, Alexis. Thanks, Eric. I'm glad to be here. And how are you today? Very well, I think. <laughs> yeah, it so seems far. to be a recurring theme now, that uncertainty of how you are. <laughs> you know, I never know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. No rants today. Wow. Okay. I'm just going to get right into the meat and potatoes of it all. Mm. I'm going to be rant free. Interesting. But as a reminder, we're still a top rated podcast on Player FM, climbing up the ladder and all the other places too. Woohoo. So let's get right into enjoying the RV life. See, that's really where I want to go because buying souvenirs, I like that. <laughs> buying souvenirs, is it worth the money? Yeah. So your opinion is pro souvenirs. Oh, big time. But they got to be the right souvenir, not yeah, every yeah. single one. Well, you and Karen have a knack of picking out really interesting ones, so I get that. Yeah, they're probably not even souvenirs, really. Because souvenirs tend to be the little cheap, junky things. That's what yeah, I envision. That's true. These are more of things we find that when we're on the trip. Create memories. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh-huh. I gotcha. Yep. Yep. Well, that's... I mean... Turning on the walls behind us, around us, is all from somewhere, has a story. Yep. I love it. <laughs> okay, so, Alexis, uh, what's your take on souvenirs? Well, I think they can be um, fun <laughs> sometimes, and this is just, you know, a common opinion. I think it's kind of overcharged on even, like, the small little tokens. Oh, yeah, you get ripped off. Yeah, That's totally, totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess choose wisely, you know, where you go. And like you said, if you find something and it's okay to take that something, like, you know, out of a park, there's very few things you should take. But, you know, if you can then that's fine. you got to remember your trip somehow, so that's okay to do. <laughs> right. So if you're in an RV park and you like the picnic table, you just take it. Yeah, <laughs> hey, it's fine. <laughs> you know, actually, you don't really have to purchase souvenirs. Souvenirs can come in the form of pictures. That's true. We talked and about that. Maybe, it, you know, rocks, things like that, unique um, pieces of wood. I mean, there's always things that you find somewhere, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like a bottle cap laying in the sand. Who knows? Yeah. Hey, you'll remember it. <laughs> Frame it. <laughs> Put a year to it. Yeah. I like the one point in here. It says instead of buying numerous small souvenirs, consider investing in a few high quality items that are meaningful to you. So instead of all these little things, maybe you want the blown glass vase that's really expensive, but really pretty. So <laughs> maybe you get that instead. That's true. <laughs> 
You know, the little things have a tendency of just kind of disappearing into the no man's land. They can, yeah. You know, unless you have a place for them. Mm-hmm. Like, we always get a magnet from everywhere we go, and sometimes we can't find a magnet, so we have to find something that we can convert to a magnet. Oh, interesting. You know, like, yeah. we got a surfboard that we made into a magnet. That's cute. And a little tiny surfboard. Mm-hmm. You know, other than that, it would just be nowhere. It's a good idea, know? yeah. So it's <laughs> doing that sometimes. Right. Um, you know, on the list here, which is also on our website, the smartrvier.com, under um, um, Enjoying the RV Life, it says um, cultural immersion. So sometimes, you know, the souvenirs can are part of a culture, and that's kind of unique. And some things we might not care about. Some might, oh, this is very interesting. We might even collect stuff pertaining to that culture. Right. So being out on the road... Sometimes it exposes us to things we don't normally see at home, and that's where the souvenirs, I guess, come in, you know? Yeah, that's true. Very true. Then you are supporting the local economy, usually a lot of local artists and things like that. Yep, exactly. You know, we went to Alaska. Yeah, we came back with all sorts of stuff. Two big giant, or is it two or three? Two big giant carved bears. Oh. You know, they're carved with a chainsaw. I love it. pretty cool, you know? That's awesome. (laughs) And we had a lot of other stuff. The whole backseat of the truck was just filled with junk we bought. Very nice. (laughs) Hilarious. But you love it. (laughs) Right, exactly. You know, we went up there, uh, Oregon coast and through Washington, you know, drove along the coast. Mm -hmm. So we we took some time going up, and then while we were there, obviously. Yeah. But, you know... On your list, it also talks about budget, you know, keeping mm-hmm. within a budget. But, you know, my wife and I, we look at stuff that price does matter. But generally, it's okay if we just, that thing jumps out at us. And it might be the ugliest thing on the face of the earth, but it, like this picture behind me with the soccer player. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, it might be the ugliest thing on the face of the earth, but it just pops and there's something about it. Mm-hmm. We typically will buy it. Yeah. Unless it's just way too ridiculous in price. Uh-huh. You know, and then quality is another thing here. Quality over quantity. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Come back with nothing. We've been gone for a week and don't have a thing to show for it. Didn't want anything. Just couldn't Mm -hmm. find anything that really stood out to us. You know, or the quality was really bad. Maybe it's cool looking, but you really get look at it closely. Yeah. This thing won't even make it home. (laughs) Exactly. Yep. Another thing on your list, too, is space constraints. Mm, The last time we were in California, we went to some surfboard shops. And I found a long board that I really wanted. <laughs> it was old. It was just, it was a classic, but we had no way to get it home. Right. And there was no way I was going to buy it and have it shipped. Yeah. Too expensive. <laughs> so, yeah. So, there's a lot of things there. Um, mm-hmm. Talks about environmental impact, too. Yep. Whatever. Do what you need to do there. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> if it's Listeners, cool, don't it. do that. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I love it. You know, there's bigger things to worry about. <laughs> okay, now that's going to bring us to the end. So, again, that's on our website, thesmartrvier.com, RV Envy, or living, enjoying the RV life. And all of our articles are there that we talk about this stuff. And, you know, like we always say, it gets you thinking about things, just like our next next stop sections. It gets you pondering things, looking at how you travel and things you do, and also ideas for the family as well. Now we're going to get to staying on the road. How complicated are trailer axles? They're not. To kind of set this up, you know, I have a, a passion for certain aspects of RV maintenance, as odd as that may sound, but I do. You know, these are usually areas that that I get passionate about that are commonly neglected. 
And when they go unchecked, they can easily ruin a well-planned vacation. And that creates that situation where you say, I'll never let that happen again. No way. But sometimes we do because we get home and get past it and go right back to what we're doing. Trailer axles, they're an area. Trailer tires, you know, not maintaining your tires, replace them when they need to be replaced. Those things ruin trips. But for today, in this episode, we're just going to focus on RV trailer axles. Motorhome axles, yes, they can have problems. You need to pay attention to them. But, you know, they're very specific to the chassis. And for the most part, they're what I would call static. You know, they're there. You don't just replace them because, just because. You're not going to go to a different axle size because that axle was made for that chassis. It was thought out. And generally on motorhomes, they don't undersize axles. They're built, you know, correctly for the motorhome. They don't seem to have the same problems that trailer axles have. So we're going to focus on the RV trailer axles, which a lot of this just carries right over into cargo trailer axles and, um, you know, utility trailers, horse trailers, things like that. But our focus today is going to be on sprung axles as well. In other words, they have leaf springs. They're not torsion axles. They have leaf springs. There's not that many torsion axles, if any, on trailers, although some do get put on there and and independent suspension is sometimes put on trailers. So these are sprung axles that we're talking about. It has leaf springs. But, you know, looking at trailer axles, they can also be a little more dynamic. I kind of touched on that a little bit. You know, you buy an RV and you might decide that the axles are underrated for the RV. And so you're going to upgrade them. Or maybe something happens down the road and for some crazy reason, you decide to downgrade the axles. You know, something might happen while you're out on the road and, you know, you've got a 5,200-pound axle and you need to get on the road. And the only thing you'll find is a 3,500-pound axle. You might downgrade, you know, and maybe later on get it back upgraded, but it got you on the road. And, you know, some of those things are doable, not a recommended, but you do what you have to do sometimes. You might be out in the middle of nowhere, and it's going to be a long time before you get an axle, and they just happen to have one laying around. Well, let's throw that puppy in, if it'll fit, and let's get me out of here. Now, that's if it'll fit. Not all axles are just interchangeable, even though a lot of parts are, and I'm going to touch on that. So why does it really matter what axle and suspension you have? Well, in some respects, it, it doesn't matter at all. The trailer came with what it came with. And when there is maintenance that needs to be done, you just take it to the local service center and they repair it. It could be that simple. You just pick it up and you're done. You don't worry about it. You don't think about it. You know, maybe RV maintenance isn't your thing and you just have someone else do it. But on the other hand, you might own, you might like to do all your own maintenance and knowing what you have as far as the axle goes can take, save a lot of time when purchasing repair parts, such as wheel bearings. You know, you can just bring in the old wheel bearing or you might have the number written down and this is what I need. It makes it simple. But writing things down and having a record of it is better than having the, or it helps with the parts, but sometimes you don't have the parts to take in. And so having a record of what your axle is and the parts in it certainly makes it easier, especially if you're calling around and asking if they have these parts. You may want to see what you have in the event in the event you experience a breakdown out on the highway. And that information saves the day. So recording it, having it with you, you break down on the road, maybe, you know, disconnect the trailer, drive into town. 
you haven't taken it apart yet, you want to leave it intact until you find the parts and do it all in one shot. Now, that might be what you want to do. It might not be the best thing to do. It might be better to take the drums off and see how bad it is. If the wheel bearings are melted onto the spindle and you got to replace the entire axle or the spindles, you want to analyze that first. But nonetheless, the point is, if you have the information, it makes it easier. Now, most RV trailers, fifth wheels, travel trailers, they have a 3,500-pound to a 7,000-pound axle. So that's going to depend on the trailer's weight and what the manufacturer installed at the factory. So they determine the weight of the trailer and what axles should go on there. And the axles also require the same type of leaf spring. If you have a 3,500-pound leaf spring, I mean, actually, you have the same leaf springs to go with it. They work in conjunction. And you might not know what type of axle you have with the weight rating or anything about it. You know, it's just an axle. You don't care. Well, most of that information can be found on a, a tag. Sometimes it's a metal band on the axle, and sometimes it's a sticker. It's on the axle, and it tells you all the information or usually all the information about it. You have to decode it sometimes, but even that, you can look on the Internet and help get help decoding it. Or like if it's a Dexter axle, you can call Dexter. If it's a Lippert Components, you can call Lippert. In fact, the Lippert's website, you can actually put it into their website, and it'll tell you, what a replacement is, how much it'll cost, and all the information about it. So that's kind of cool. But if you have the tag or the label on the axle, take a picture of it. Make sure you put that picture someplace where you're going to have it. And also write down the information off the tag. Even if you don't understand it, just write it down in the same order that's on the tag or the label and record that in your, in your book for your RV. And that's assuming you keep a little book of some kind or some sort of record-keeping method for your RV, whether it's digital or paper, you should have something. And I recommend the picture because tags sometimes fall off. They get torn off. A dealership might take it off for some reason. Maybe they're doing a little information on your axle and they forgot to put it back on. The labels don't last forever. You know, they get all smeared, road grime, chewed up. And then the event that you don't have the label or you can't read it or the tag is already gone, it's not that hard to figure out what actually you have. It's just a few measurements and some common sense and a little bit of time, and you can do this. And sometimes you might have to take the tires and wheels off to get a real accurate measurement. It's probably better to just plan on doing that at least on one side of the axle. It'll help make it easier because what you need to get to help you do this is the axles complete, it's together. So you want the hub face to hub face. So that's the outside of the hub where your lug nuts are, where the wheel would press up and rest against the face of the of the hub or the drum. It could be either or a hub or a drum. Most trailer travel trailers are gonna have drums on it, not a hub. That would be more like a uh, utility trailer. So drum face to drum face. Then also you have the the uh, spring perches or spring supports for the leaf springs, they're welded to the axle. If you measure across from those center to center, that's a measurement. And then here's another one that's a little harder to do, the axle length. So the axle, you'd have to have it stripped down, the drums or the backing plates taken off so you can get a good axle or length, or you'd have to put a straight edge on the tip of each axle and then measure in between it. So that could take two or three people to do that. But that's another option as well. And the flange to flange measurement. Actually, having all of these makes it very concise. So if you do need a new axle, calling around makes it much easier. 
and even knowing the lug pattern on the wheel is gonna help. And you wanna keep your wheel size and the tire size and the lug pattern also recorded as well. Keep that in your book because those are important things too. If you need a wheel, you know exactly what you have, what the lug pattern is, the diameter, if it's 15 inch, 14 inch, 16 inch, and then the width of it, if it's five, six, or seven inches, you should know that. That way you can walk into a store and buy a wheel for let's say a spare and not have to do all this measuring again because you've done it. You've done it the first time. And the lug pattern is important too. There's different lug patterns, but sometimes they look very similar. Like there's a, you know, two five lug patterns, five lug on four and a half inch or five lug on five inch. And to determine your pattern, you just put the measuring tape in the center of one lug and measure across to the other one, um, the one closest to center. And that's the size you have five on four and a half, five on five, six on six, whatever it might be. So that keeps it simple, but those things there can help you identify an axle. Now, it's not going to tell you everything you need to know about your axle because you do, do need to know the weight rating of it. That's very important, and that's where the wheel bearings and some of these parts come in. Knowing this, that let's say you have a 7,000-pound 7, axle, that the wheel bearings and the grease seals will fit from your axle will fit all 7,000-pound 7, axles for the most part unless there's just an oddball axle out there, but you can actually walk into a store. I need wheel bearings and grease seals for a 7,000 pound axle, and it shouldn't be an issue. Now, some stores might not have the experience and they're gonna have to look it up, or you might have to bring samples just for them to be sure. But ultimately though, you really don't have to do that. If you have numbers, that helps too, but a 7,000 pound axle is gonna take the same wheel bearings as any other. Now, let's really dig in now to the part that matters. Once you determine which axle you have, all the parts, as I said, are going to be the same based on the weight rating. So a 5,200-pound axle, all the parts are going to be the same as any other 5,200-pound axle. So I'm kind of reiterating that, but I want to make sure that you understand that. So the bearings are going to be the same. The grease seals are going to be the same. The drums would be the same. The hubs would be the same if you had hubs. So it makes it easier. So, but nonetheless, still record all your wheel bearing numbers just in case. You might get someplace where they absolutely can't do it by weight. They're going to say, I need the bearing numbers, period. So then you're prepared to do that. You're helping them at that point. Especially if you're out on the road, you don't want to be arguing with somebody over this stuff. You want to just get your axle back together and get back on the road and do what you do best, RV, and have a good time. Now, 3,500-pound axles are kind of in a category all by themselves. Their parts don't match anything else. A 3,500-pound axle is a 3,500-pound axle. So if you have one of those, which would be on a smaller trailer, maybe 22 feet, 24 feet, um, 28 feet, depending on the manufacturer, you're probably going to have five lugs on a 5-inch or 4.5-inch pattern. So just you need to know the wheel size and... Actually, on that particular one, the wheel size, the lug pattern is going to tell you the axle pretty much for the most part, but there's still a tag on there. And then you need to know that 3,000-pound axles aren't common on travel trailers, but they are out there. So like I said, that comes on smaller trailers. Now, a 5,200, 6,000, 7,000-pound axles, they are all the same axle. Everything on them is identical. 
but the difference is they take different bearings. So the inner bearing is the same on almost on, actually it's the same on all three of those sizes and the outer bearing varies by the actual size. Now the grease seals are the same, but the drums can be different. So the bearings, the uh, outer bearing is gonna be different. The grease seals are gonna be the same, but the drums can be different. And the drums are gonna be different due to the wheel bearing size and the lug pattern. So the lug pattern is gonna play into this as well. So these are little things you need to know, but the axle itself, the tube, they're all the same. It's just the bearing configuration and the drum configuration. So one other point worth knowing is if your axle is under or over slung. Under slung means the axle is mounted on top of the leaf spring. So the leaf spring is underneath the axle. Overslung means the leaf spring is mounted on the top of the axle. And this is good to know because if you're replacing the axle, it might come up. The question is gonna arise, is it overslung, underslung? Because everything else on the, you have everything else but that. So that's good to know. If you're not sure, just take a picture of, of the axle and the leaf spring and most parts guy can figure that out and help you, uh, you know, determine whether it's over or underslung. And there's also this term that floats around called flipping the axle. And you don't really flip an axle anymore. It's, it's a terminology that came from years ago when axles were made a little bit different. But what it does, the idea behind it is raising the trailer, or actually you could lower it too, but generally it's done to raise the trailer. If, the, if it's underslung, so the leaf springs are under the bottom of the axle, you would weld Leaf, ping, leaf spring perches on the top of the axle and the leaf springs would now sit on top and that would give it a three inch lift. But the axle stays the same. You're not flipping it because it has a bow in it and that bow needs to stay at the top. So it's just changing the trailer, basically putting the trailer on top of the axle. So hopefully this makes some sense and you see the value in it of knowing what you have because it makes it a lot easier. When people come into the store and they tell me they have a 3,500 pound, now I don't have all the numbers memorized, but our boxes are identified. And then we have a cheat sheet we look at, which will be on our website, which I think is already on our website, but I'll make sure it's there again. Um, and there I go again, saying the stuff, and it's already gonna be there. <laughs> It'll be there. <laughs> it is already there, how's that? <laughs> but it just makes it easier. And even you can print our cheat sheet and just keep that with you, maybe circle the parts you have for your existing trailer. And a lot of people, you know, they just have problems with this. They go to parts stores, they don't know how to look it up. You know, it's all on, you know, who you talk to and how much experience they have. Doesn't mean they're, you know, idiots. If they can't do this, it just means they don't have the experience. But just simple little things like this can make life easier when it comes to maintaining your RV. Even if you had a problem, you just jump in your car, I need a new wheel bearing, and you take off and you get to the store, oh, I forgot what bearing number that is, or I forgot to bring the bearing. But hey, I got a 7,000 pound axle. It's the inner bearing. They should know what to give you. See how that pays off? All right, so I hope you appreciate this information. So that's gonna bring us to the end of staying on the road. And as a reminder, at SunPro Manufacturing, we have slide-out awning fabrics for all the major brand slide-outs, whether it's Solera, Dometic, Carefree, well, there's pretty much it anymore. 
So those three brands, we have a replacement slide-out fabrics. Check them out. They got three-year and five-year warranties, and even a 10-year warranty. Great product, great prices. Now, this brings us to the next stop. And today, we are going to Route 66, mm-hmm. sometimes dubbed as America's greatest road trip. That's right. I think it's So, still- Lexus, why are we going to Route 66? I just thought this would be fun and kind of changes it up. It's not one single location, but it's several. And uh, I think you can hop on to the route from different locations. Can't you? Yeah. You yeah, yeah. It's not like a, a tunnel. <laughs> right. You have to drive all the way to Los Angeles or Chicago. So it does cover a lot of a lot of mileage, but I think it's so cool. It, it, it passes through historic, you know, highways and small towns, major cities. I just think it would be really fun to do if you plan it out right. <laughs> yeah, it's 2,400 miles. Yep. You could drive that in a couple of days if you wanted to, you know. You could, yeah. So if you planned on a long week, mm-hmm. you know, or even two weeks, you'd have a really good trip. You would. It'd be really neat. You see a lot of different stuff because you see like Chicago, you go to mm-hmm. kind of the Midwest, the desert states, New Mexico and stuff. That would be pretty cool. Super neat. Yeah. <laughs> so now if, if, let's say I was going to embark on this trip, would you suggest that I kind of look on a map and kind of plan this out? I would. And I would say have several <laughs> mapping options available because that's great if you have a GPS. It might not always uh, work for you, de- depending on where you're at at the time. So always having a paper copy is good. Um, maybe even like a, what do they call those? Um, <laughs> trying to think of the phone, satellite phone. That might be good too because you know, GPS. No, no, satellite phone. Oh, satellite yeah. phone. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. Just in case you come across an emergency and your cellular is not that great. <laughs> well, you know, you can get, um, um, for an RVer, they might not like this, but the, uh, or need it. <laughs> but you can get the handheld GPSs like Garmin makes. Yeah. And some of them have a subscription plan for uh, text messaging. That's cool. You know, yeah. so if you're out and about and you need help, you can text message somebody and they can get help for you. That would be ideal. Yeah. yeah. So that's pretty cool. So just, and that yeah. subscription plan, you can turn on and off too. I have one. That's why I know. That's cool. Very so, neat. You know, you just want to use it for a couple of months in the summer. Yeah. You can turn it on or a trip here and there. Just turn it on. Great idea. Yeah. yeah perfect. Good. Yep. That would be what I would do. <laughs> okay. Sure. So a long trip like this, you probably want an RV that's going to be comfortable for you, right? Right. If you have one, that's great. Just make sure it's up to code. Like you said, always making sure you've got good tires on there and everything's checked. But if you're renting, then that's another thing. You can kind of maybe do some research first and see uh, which RV would be the best, make sure everything you need is on it, and then have insurance, definitely, <laughs> in case that's important. <laughs> right. Yeah. Fine print on that insurance. Please do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you also have on the list here budget planning. Now, I would recommend just using a credit card with a really high limit and just going crazy. Oh, yeah, would you? <laughs> Buy all the souvenirs oh, you can find. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> bring a trailer to bring them all home. Yeah, you're going to need to. <laughs> you know, that'd be a really cool trip because you really could have a lot of fun, especially if you had a kind of a high budget and you really yeah. had to worry about, I mean, you worry about some things, but not yeah. everything, you know? 
The thing I think would be cool is just eating out everywhere you stop. Yeah. Like you'd you'd find so many places. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That'd be so neat. Exactly. Yeah. You know? I mean, fuel is <laughs> going to be your worst expense. Yep. <laughs> and, you know, maybe, well, RV parks probably wouldn't be bad, but depending on where you're going, what you're doing, you can just stay in a parking lot too. It's just an overnight That's deal. That's true. You know? That's true. So yeah. some parts of it, you could be pretty, you know, do it on the cheap. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So it's. You know, just knowing where you go along the, the route, there might be some places that everybody says you have to go, but you might not be where you want to go. Right, exactly. You know, it might go be where like, you want. You know, going to some monument that you could care less about. Well, don't waste your time, you know, go to the places you want to go. Yep, that's right. And it's a long drive anyway, so it probably would take you, you know, leisurely pace at least three days. At least, know? yep. Um, So now you add all the other stuff in there remember you can shoot off a of route 66 too you can yeah you, you can make little day trips out here and there if you wanted to or even overnight trips you got an rv that's right you know so that makes it pretty cool so yeah maybe two weeks would be better i agree then you can just go kind of on a whim too like you're driving down the road because not everything you're going to see on a map right you might see a road that says you know Go down here for Indian petroglyphs. <laughs> or maybe this, you know, equator, you know, the, I don't know, a, yeah. a earthquake fault or something. Might be know? really cool. Who there knows? There you go. You can just go <laughs> on that adventure and check it out. That's right. Checking out Route 66, you know, that's a 2,400-mile trip that you can make a lot of memories in. Bring that camera, your phone, whatever. Take a lot of pictures and buy a lot of souvenirs when it's a good trip and like i said all those little you make all the little day trips out of it as well it'd be quite the adventure if you like doing that maybe look into it you know you're going to find all sorts of information now on that on the website probably more than you could ever even deal with so it's probably easier just to kind of plan your own trip and work it out yourself yeah, I also want to remind everybody to look at RV Destinations Magazine. Go to rvdestinationsmagazine.com. Super cool magazine. High-quality artwork if you have the paper, well, even the digital. I mean, the digital is the same quality. But the paper is super high-quality if you have a paper copy of it. Check it out. It will inspire you to go places and do things. Most definitely will. All right, now that's going to take us to Blizzard Boxes in the RV Envy section of the show. Blizzard Box Coolers, they are the ultimate adventure cooler. And these are made by ProjectX.com, or ask the website where you find them. The company that owns them is Horizon Brands. So it's a company that has several different brands, but Project X is their ProjectX.com is their website, and you can go there to check them out. Now, Blizzard box coolers are 110 volt and 12 volt coolers. You're probably familiar with these. Dometic makes them, Truma makes them, Camco makes them, you know, Joe's Cooler Company makes them, Bill's Cooler Company makes them. There's a lot of companies that make them, but there's only a few that really kind of rise to the top because they, they survived the rugged tests of the outdoors. Because these types of coolers are, have been around for a long time. In fact, one of the first ones was called Waco, W-E or W-A-E-C-O, then Dometic Bottom. And also Norcold had some. And fishermen bought these things because they'd go fishing. They'd need a place to keep their fish cold for the rest of their trip. So they're kind of popular in that type of environment. So they weren't huge in the RV industry, and I don't think they still are today. But Depending on how you RV and where you go, these coolers are awesome. And Blizzard Box makes a really nice system. 
you know, they've really thought it through. The the lids can open and close from any side. You can just take them completely off. You know, they have uh, baskets inside the cooler to keep everything off the cooler surface itself to not only protect it, but so things don't freeze or get colder than they need to. And these puppies can get down to zero degrees, so that's cold. So you can freeze things. You can use it as a refrigerator. They're durable. These are used in the overlanding, off-roading environments all the time. They make nice covers for them that still breathe, so you can have the cover on there while you're bouncing down a road, but it's still going to get the airflow that it needs so it doesn't ruin it. They have slide-out trays, so if you have it in a compartment, you can slide it out, or the back of a truck or an SUV, you can just slide it out to you. And there are 110 volts and 12 volts, so that makes them really universal or adaptable because you could actually put it in your house, get it down to temperature before you leave, and then plug it into your RV or your vehicle and then on the 12 volt, and then it's just going to keep everything just on going. You don't have to worry about it cooling down. You know, if you're out traveling, let's say you're doing a trail or an adventure and you know, during the day it's plugged in and you don't want to leave it outside all night because, you know, not sure if it'll kill the battery, even though it has protection built into it so it won't destroy a battery or drain it down to zero. But you don't want to take a chance. You can, Or maybe for convenience, you can bring it in a motel room with you and just plug it into the wall. That's how, you you know, universal they are or, you know, adaptable. You can use it in any environment. And they're nice. If you have company at home, you just need a extra space or you're going to have it sitting out on the patio, you know, someplace where everybody grab their adult beverages. There you go. You know, so go to blizzard or go to projectx.com and check out the blizzard box coolers. And these stood out to me just because they're rugged. They're tough. They're a good company. I've called them. You can talk to them on the phone. And that's important this day and age is be able to get through and have a conversation with somebody about the products that they're selling you. So go to projectx.com if these coolers sound like they're the cooler for you. And as a reminder, check out our YouTube channel, The Smart RVer on YouTube to look at the helpful videos we have there to help you in your RV maintenance endeavors. Now that brings us to the end of episode 140 and next or the next episode 141. Why are 110 volt adapters so confusing? And they can be. So I want to thank you for listening. This is Eric Stark with the Smart RVer podcast. It's been great hanging out with you. If I don't see you on the road, let's connect at the smartrver.com.